turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. More resources available online at jenniferjackson.com. This is Simply for Women. Oh, yes, it is. And I have Beth Runkle here with me today. Go to BethRunkle.com. That's BethRunkle.com to hear her blog or read her blog. I I know you're going to be touched. She has served with her husband, has served in the military for 25 years. She has been right alongside him, taking care of the home and the family and doing so many other things to encourage his faith and encourage him and just to encourage our nation. And we are so grateful, forever grateful for our military. And so we're so happy to have you. And now you work with Campus Crusade, which is exciting, getting the gospel to those military spouses and families. So welcome, welcome again, Beth. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. It's such a great opportunity. And there's, you know, you, you've been in this marriage for a long time and you've learned and you've grown and you've learned some very important things that I want us to talk about today. I want to talk about this. You call it a joint calling. And you said that um, in Hebrew, the word for helper in Genesis 2.18 is that the wife is the life-giving counterpart. I just, that was such a beautiful uh, perspective on that word. And um, let's talk about it. Can we talk about the joint calling? Because all of us, whether we're in the military or we aren't, if we're married, we, we need to understand that joint calling. Yeah. And, um, this word for helper um, that God uses here to call Eve, it's the same word that he uses to refer to himself and to the Holy Spirit. Um, so it is not a secondary or unimportant role, um, but it is, you know, our calling. And I, I believe that there's a misunderstanding about biblical submission sometimes, you know, in the Christian world. Um, and I've really, you know, had to learn. I am a strong woman. Um, in the beginning, um, and even in the beginning of our Christian life, you know, I was not doing it well. You know, I was trying to tell my husband how to lead. Uh, you know, I, I, like for one example, as I kept nagging him, um, you know, that he should lead us in family devotion. Well, you know, once I learned that that was not life-giving to him, you know, and I needed to be quiet and let the Holy Spirit speak and just worry about my own walk, you know, that's when, you know, God through the Spirit began to work in my husband's life to make him want to lead. Um, But I think we have to allow our husbands to lead, which means we don't tell them how to do everything, and we don't forcefully push our way ahead. Um, And I like to think of biblical submission really as a balance between um, not, you know, dominating and taking charge and being a doormat. Some people think that biblical submission means we should just be a doormat and I don't believe that's it. I think we're perfectly balanced between those two. We express our opinions, but we do it in a respectful way. Um, And there's an analogy I want to share on this. I had heard uh, someone uh, a couple years ago quote, um, you know, that when women try to be the leader of their household, um, we're really creating two heads. And they said, you know, any being with two heads is a monster. (laughs) And I loved that analogy. 
Um, and then I was doing some research and, you know, just kind of Googled, is there a two-headed monster out there? You know, what can I found? And I ran across a snake, a California king snake, can be born with two heads. Um, and it's, you know, it's found in nature. But interestingly, because it has two heads and it, it, it constantly is competing against itself, um, and pulling in opposite directions, and it causes its organs to be completely overworked because of these two heads, and it can't even live a year out in the wild. The only way for this snake to live is to live in captivity. Hmm. And when I learned that, it really struck me because when I am trying to compete and lead along with my husband, I am putting our marriage and our family in captivity. That's and really so the powerful. Picture is, the picture is we have to get behind his leadership, let him lead, which means sometimes we have to be patient to let them do it in their time. You know, my husband is a bit of a slower decision maker, but he rarely makes mistakes. But when I try to rush the decision, it leads us into consequences. So I just have to get behind and let him lead, which often means I express my opinions but then I keep my mouth shut and let him lead. And it also means, you know, I don't criticize his parenting in front of the children, you know, and I let him take the lead in things, which really means I trust the Lord more. And I try to be that life-giving counterpart, not life-sucking. I think this is also really very important. You said, you said let him lead, and I think about letting our spouses lead. We have to be willing as wives to let them make a mistake. And yes. that is how you learn to be a leader. And if every time you see a mistake on the horizon, if you get in there and fight for your own way and push for it, then they don't ever learn how to be a better leader. <laughs> you know, it's okay if they make a mistake, you know, and uh, I, I think that is so good about not correcting them in front of the children and, um, just so many good things that you said in there. And it's important because we learn to trust the Lord. The Lord is really, you know, the court, that court of three strands can't be broken. And the Lord yeah. is right there um, in the middle. And we trust him and, uh, and keeping our mouth shut. That's vital, isn't it? Just to give them time and space to make the decisions that they need to make. And honestly, I know for me as a wife, some days I'm just, I'm so thankful. I don't have to make some of those tough decisions and, um, he, he yeah. always values my opinion, which is nice. You know, my husband really values my opinion and I do share that freely, but, um, you're right. Sometimes we just I have to keep I our mouth shut. I in my perspective too, when I realized just if God is sovereign, then God has sovereignly ordained that I would be married to my husband. And that means that if I trust the Lord, there are times where I have to trust my husband to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't even agree with his decision. Um, I've expressed my opinion, but ultimately I leave that decision in his hands. But because I trust the Lord, I have to trust that he can work through even a decision that my husband might make that I don't agree with. That's right. Because ultimately God is control. So that really shifts my perspective too. And I had to question, if I'm questioning my husband, that means I'm questioning the Lord. Hmm. Very, very good. You know, I, I love how you say stay plugged into God's word and renewing our minds and pray, pray for our marriages because because the enemy does want to divide us. And if we can yeah. pr- pray for them pr- and pray that they 
will make the right decisions for the family and that they'll have the courage to make the hard decisions for the family. Yeah, that was another shift, too. Instead of nagging my husband about things I might want him to do or, you know, arguing, um, I would just just pray. Just pray about it and pray for the Spirit to work, which is so much more powerful than me and my words. You know, so just to, um, when I read Stormy O. Martin's book, The Power of a Praying mm-hmm. Wife, yes. that really influenced me and my ability to let my husband lead. Because if I was praying over all these things, then it was so much easier to trust the Lord and to trust Him, you know, to lead our family well. But I would be on my knees. And that was part of my role as a life-giving counterpart, to really just be interceding for Him. Yeah, one of the hardest things I think for, for myself is I would some days pray for three days or four days and then have the conversation with my husband about whatever the decision was because I didn't want my opinion and my way and to go into the conversation without prayer from the beginning. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is to keep your mouth shut on the front end, you know? Well, we have about two minutes left and I love how you, uh, you want to look for ways that the military community, you know, could be involved in the church. How can we do that? Like how can we reach out to military spouses and, and just encourage them and encourage the families? Yeah. Well, I want I want to encourage your listeners to reach out to to veterans and military families in their area. Um, I know you are in the Ohio area, and there's a lot of Air National Guard bases around Columbus. Um, There is the 179th Airlift Wing, um, but then there are also, everywhere you go in the United States, there are lots of veterans. And so I want to encourage um, just your listeners to try to minister to those around you. A lot of veterans have combat trauma and other invisible wounds of war. And so one of the things that we've done in our church is just to have a Sunday, I believe we did on Veterans Day, where we gave a very small gift to all veterans and invited them to a gathering um, where we just brought all the veterans and people who were serving the military, their families, um, and began to just see who was there. Who could we minister to in our church body, in our community, and then, you know, offer um, some Christ-centered healing for people with combat trauma or just ministry to the wives where their husband was deployed, you know, just helping them out, you know, uh, having a, a number they could call or people to minister to. We actually got some of the widows in our church to partner with women whose husbands were deployed, you know, to invest in them, to call on them, to check on them. And maybe they weren't doing all of the helping but they were somebody who was connected to them that was like a liaison between them and the church, how they could minister to them. And I think just having eyes to see the veterans and the military families in your communities, at your gym, in your neighborhood, you know, the people that you run across and say, you know, how can I minister to them? Because they've served this great country of ours. They've sacrificed for the freedoms that I enjoy. How can I minister to them physically, but also spiritually by helping them grow spiritually? That is so good. That's Beth Runkle. Go to BethRunkle.com. And we are so grateful and so thankful for your service, for your love, for our country, and your husband's participation in so many sacrifices that he has made. Thank you. Thank you. Go to BethRunkle.com. I'm Jennifer Jackson, and you have been listening to Simply for Women. I hope that you will pray. Pray for our nation. We need it. Look for someone that you could support. 
And in the meantime, go to jenniferjackson.com and send me an email. I want to hear from you. Go to jenniferjackson.com. You've been listening to Simply for Women. We hope that today's show has been a blessing to you as you seek to simply live out your faith. To hear today's show again or to share it with a friend, search Simply for Women wherever you get your podcasts. Or visit Jennifer's website at jenniferjackson.com. That's jenniferjackson.com. Thanks for joining us on Simply for Women. Take time today to simply be, simply be with God.